You're listening to audio from Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. For more information, go to cbcsavannah.com. Father, I just pray just for this quick time as we are reminded of just a great truth, uh, your love. Help me to be clear. Uh, help me to be encouraging. By myself, I'm none of those things, and so I ask your spirit to just help me. Um, Lord, let us be a church that celebrates this, this great evening. 2,000 years ago, the, the darkness was broken with the angels of heaven declaring our Savior to be born, and uh, he came, he humbled himself, he rose, he will return, and that's what we celebrate at Advent. And so, Lord, I just am thankful for the opportunity just to share your love tonight. Help me be clear again so that your church is encouraged uh, and people just love you more and more, that I love you more and more. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thanks. You guys can have a seat. So we are almost there. The presents are under the tree. Hopefully, if they're not, Walmart is probably not open, so y'all out of luck. I don't know, but maybe. But um, Giving and getting presents, it's just such a great thing, right? I'm on the more of the giving side of it now. And there's, it's a great thing to be able to give and, and get to get the kids what they want or get, you know, whoever. It's also a stressful thing, let's be honest. Um, when you get the letter from the teacher, and if you, if you got kids in elementary school, when you got the, the secret Santa, there's some tension there. Because there's always a, oh, $5 limit, secret Santa. But you know good and well that no parent spends $5. So you don't want your kid to be the only kid, the cheap kid, Fowler kids, the cheap $5 kid. Everyone else got a $15 gift card. You don't want Fowler as your secret Santa. That's all pressure, all right? Or even when you have multiple children. If you have one, you don't get this as much, but it's, you got, you got, you got all the stuff, you think everything's full, and then you see that one more thing, and you're like, ooh, they would really love this. And, and the, the buying of that throws the entire family off kilter, because now it's like, oh, wait, well, we, we got this, so now we have to go over and get these two kids this, and this, and it's just this... It's, so it can be stressful as much as a blessing. Um, but we love Christmas and we love giving gifts. And there's a lot of reasons why you can look in church history and you say, oh, St. Nicholas did this and the Magi gave gift. But ultimately for us as Christians, we get to tomorrow or tonight if you're cheat and you give one on Christmas Eve night, right? But we get to give gifts because we get to reflect our God who is an ultimate gift giver. That every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And one of the ways that we get to reflect our God and Father is that we give gifts and we celebrate giving gifts. And, and if you think about, think about Christmas morning when you were a kid, the best gift you ever got. I don't, I don't know if you remember. I remember my grandfather got me a shotgun one year. That was, very, that was a good gift. I still have that shotgun. It was actually his shotgun when he was a kid, so it was very meaningful. Still have it. That was a good gift. I was 12. Probably should, shouldn't have had a gun at 12, but that was another story. Uh, one year, me and my brother got this red sled. There's, and then, uh, in the north, there's this stuff called snow. And when it gets cold, people go outside and they go down hills on, on sleds. So we got this sled, and it was, it was fast, and it had these, like, fall. And eventually, that sled, one too many times, too many people crushed. That was a great Christmas gift. I remember those two Christmas gifts. Can't remember much else. What's the greatest gift you ever got? The gift that we celebrate tonight and that we celebrate tomorrow, every other gift, even that great sled, even that great shotgun, they all pale into comparison to what God has given to us. When Paul reflects on Christ and the gift of God the Father, he says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift or 
undescribable gift. John says that our God loved us so much that he gave. And, and again, so fitting for Cabell, love. And because God loved us so much, what did he do? He was moved to action and he gave. He is a gift giver. He gives good things. And so as we celebrate love tonight, we're just going to briefly talk about that as we look at our final song. And I know you got to get to grandma's and eat some figgy pudding, so you ain't going to be here long. I, no, there's no restaurants open except for maybe jalapenos, so we'll see you there. But um, I want to briefly just reflect on God's love as we sing a few more songs and we light some candles, and then we go, go our way. We've looked at hope, we've looked at peace, we've looked at joy. Tonight's song that we're going to look at was a song that was written for us to sing tonight. It was designed to sing on Christmas Eve. It is one of our oldest carols. It goes back several years. And then in the 1800s, a man named John Mason Neal. There's old Johnny. If you're a pastor in the 18th, 19th century, you had to wear dresses. So it's good to live in, in this time and frame, right? But this is a man. He was known for translating Latin and Greek, Greek texts into English and making them into hymns. And he found this old text and he turned it into a hymn and he, and he combined it with uh, a 15th century tune, and we get the song that we sing tonight. And it's made up of seven, what they call, this is a fancy word, antiphons. Those in the music world understand what it is. It was designed for two choirs to sing. So one choir would sing the first part, the other choir would sing the second part, and they would sing back and forth. The closest thing we got to that is like when you accidentally down the stream, and then you row, row, and then you kind of sing it back and forth. That's the modern day equivalent. The one choir would sing the verse, the se second choir would sing the uh, chorus, and they would respond to each other. That's all it's designed. It's way too complex for us. We're not going to do that tonight. All right, we're just going to sing the whole thing together. Um, but it's written with seven statements about who Jesus is. And here's what I want us to get tonight as we grasp it. I want us to just think about each one of these statements is a gift from God rooted in His love. It's, it's Christmas Eve. We're thinking about love. We're thinking about gifts. Each one of these characteristics of who Jesus is is a gift from God because he loves you. And we're just going to work through real quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time. Because you know the song, Emmanuel. And it's actually the last verse that's meant to be sung tonight on Christmas Eve. They went to, they, the way it was written, you're supposed to sing first verse on the 17th, second verse on the 18th, 19th, 20th, all the way up till tonight where you would sing them all. And then you would sing the refrain or the choruses would rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel should come to us, all right? So let's look at the first verse real quick. First verse, O come thou wisdom from on high. Jesus here is personified as wisdom, the one who guides, the one who directs. Paul says that, that Jesus is the very wisdom of God. He says that no one knows the mind of God, only the spirit of God. But then he says, but guess what? God has given you his spirit so that you can know the things freely given to you. That God is wisdom. His gift to us tonight in Jesus is wisdom, is direction. And and as I look back in 2017, as I look at just in my life in general, and I don't know about you, but there's, there's things I've done that I've made a mess. Decisions I've made or haven't made, I've brought chaos. And every time I try to fix it, I bring more chaos. And the promise here and what the Scripture says is that, that Jesus is the very wisdom of God, that He says before He leaves, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And so He gives us His Spirit. And he guides us, and he wants to lead, and he wants to step into, just like he stepped into the chaos of the, at the incarnation, he wants to step into your life and guide you and lead you and comfort you and walk through these things because he's a good God, and he gives good gifts. Second verse, O come, O great Lord of might. 
To who your tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times did give the law and cloud and majesty and all. It's a picture of Exodus when, when the people of Israel are down at the bottom of Mount Sinai and, and Charlton Heston is up getting the Ten Commandments on top of the mountain. And the mountain's just shaking and rumbling. And he says, don't come up on the mountain. And the people are like, we're not coming up on the mountain. And it's this terrifying scene. He is the Lord of might. He is the Lord of power. And what I want you to think is, is you even hear that little baby right there which doesn't bother me, because that's life. But Jesus came as one just like that little baby. One of, our, one of the folks on staff had a baby a couple weeks ago. A little, she had a little two-year-old, she got a little two-week-old girl now, and she brought her into the office. And I'm looking at this little bundle, seven pounds. It can't even hold its head up. And those of you who have had kids, you remember how tiny. That the Lord of might would become that little helpless baby, but yet still be the Lord of might. It's astounding. If you have kids with you tonight, look to your right, look to your left, look at them. Look at their different ages, right? My kids are getting older right now. But, but Jesus coming as the Lord of might, he was, at, he was a two-year-old. Some of you guys got two-year-olds. They're like, is the service over? We want to light a candle. We want to go home, right? That, but Jesus was a two-year-old. He knew what it was to be a two-year-old. He was a six-year-old boy with all that energy. He was a 13-year-old boy in that awkwardness where the, the voice is cracking, there's one hair on the chin. He, he, but yet all the time he was the Lord of might. Sustaining the universe with his word of his power, Colossians says. And what does he give to his people as a gift? He gives his power. He has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. And again... If you're weary and tired and struggling and feel like, I don't feel like I have power, how encouraging to hear that God says, hey, I know you feel weak, but my power is actually made perfect in weakness. So weak is good so that he can be strong. It's a gift to his people. He's given his wisdom. He's given his power. Verse 3, O come, O branch of Jesse's stem, until your own and rescue them. This is an allusion to Isaiah 11 where it says, there shall come one from Jesse, a stump, a branch. And then Revelation says, the same one, weep no more, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered. That Jesus is portrayed as a conqueror, right? The, the root of Jesse, this little stick that came out of the stump is now the king and he is the conqueror. And he saves and gives victory, what? Over the grave. And the gift that, that Jesus brings at Christmas it's a biggie. It's the gift of resurrection. It's the hope of eternal life. John 3, 16, we look at God loves us so much. He gave. Whoever believes in him has eternal life. We needed resurrection. Why? Because these bodies are breaking. This body is shrinking. I can't afford any more shrinking, but it's shrinking. It's, it's breaking down. I played basketball. My father was in town this, this past weekend. My dad used to be a great basketball player, and, and I... Never played basketball. You go figure, right? Five foot, whatever. But we go out. I was like Michael Jordan on my dad. I was feeling bad when he's playing. And he just misses. He, he's missing layups. He's like, I never miss layups. He's like, his body's breaking down, dad. I didn't say that. I'm just like, oh, it's a bad rim. It's a bad rim. You're still good, dad. Right? I'm trying to encourage him on Christmas. But you, yeah, you're 69. You can't play basketball like you used to. And this, this promise, the song says, you give us hope. You give us Resurrection, you give us eternal life. It's a gift. It's a gift. Next verse. 
Oh, come, thou key of David, come. Again, right out of Isaiah 22, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. And he shall open it and shall not. So I almost got keys. We know what keys are. They give us access. They give us open. What's the key in this verse? The key is to heaven. And I love that last line. He says, make safe the way that leads on high that we no more have cause to sigh. Because we live in a world and it's a world of sighing. Some of you, you have off. But guess what happens on Tuesday? You got to go back to work, don't you? Tuesday, you're like, some of you just looked at your husband like, oh, I got to go back to work. That's a, I got to go back to work. That's a sigh. Students, you have off a whole nother week. But guess what happens January 3rd? You got to go back to school. Sigh. Some of you tomorrow have to go to someone's house. And you're already like, sigh. January 5th, when that chase, sighing. But Jesus offers us a new home. And the gift is heaven. It's a gift from God. It's a gift we celebrate. It's a gift rooted in His love. Next verse. Oh, come thou day spring, come and cheer. The word day spring is rooted in, in this promise in, in Luke 1 where it says, the tender, the tender mercy of God whereby the sun rises. It's the, the King James version is day spring. So if you look in your King James Bible, it says day spring. But the word in most translations is sunrise or morning star. So come day spring and cheer our spirit by your advent. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. It's, it's, it's the picture of right before the dawn when it's dark. And when I used to live in Pennsylvania, I would be sitting in a tree at 5.30 in the morning, shaking and freezing and thinking, what am I doing here? We're not starving for food. I'm, I'm not, I don't like the cold and, and freezing in the tree. And I just couldn't wait to keep looking at the watch. Didn't have cell phones to do anything back then, right? We just froze. Uh, and I'm sitting there just waiting for the sun to come up so it gets above 20. And there was just that hope that it's getting lighter, it's getting lighter. And the idea here is it's dark now, but it's, it's getting lighter. And Jesus is the one who brings hope. It's a gift. Hope is a gift. How powerful, powerful thing. And Jesus offers us hope, and that's what we celebrate. Verse 6. O come, desire nations bind, all people in one heart and mind. But envy, strife, and quarrel cease, fill the whole world with heaven's peace. We spent a whole week talking about peace, peace with God, peace with each other. But the gift that Jesus brings is peace, which if you watch the news, could be nice right now. Because nobody apparently likes anybody, anywhere. Right? But it, it is very interesting that something about Christmas, people will be more tolerant. Although I was in the Publix parking lot today, and those grandmothers were some mean ladies in the parking lot fighting over spots. I'm just going to tell you. There was no peace, and Granny was going to almost kill me. All right? But, but there's something about Christmas that brings a little bit of like, ah, oh, okay, we're going to get along. We're going to try to get along. But really... Jesus is the one who brings peace. He's the one who brings peace with each other. He's the one who brings peace with God. And it is a gift that one day there will be no conflict. And then the last verse, O come, O come, Emmanuel, the one we know, and ransom captive Israel. The picture is Israel has been enslaved 700 years, and they long for what? They long for freedom. Because everyone captive longs to be free. Longs to be free. When I was at the Citadel, we used to, it wasn't necessarily captive, but it felt like it. And we would just, we tell the freshmen, we call them knobs. Knobs, how long till Christmas? 
32 days in a wake-up, sir. 32 days until I can eat normal and wear normal clothing again. And it was just that longing for freedom. Jesus is our freedom, and He pays the ransom. The song says, and ransom captive Israel. He pays the freedom. He is the ransom. That, that's, the, that's the uniqueness of the role He plays, that He actually pays for us to go free. And why does He do it? We said earlier, God so loved you that He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, because He is the ultimate gift giver. He gives wisdom and power and resurrection and heaven and hope and peace and freedom. And it's all in Emmanuel, God with us. And, and here's the cool response for us. I told you earlier, it's, it's an old song. This is the cool thing about how they wrote old songs. Again, written in the 6th century-ish. This song has, it forms an acrostic in the Latin. So each word in the Latin, the first word is the Latin title for Jesus. So sapiente means wisdom, Adonai, Lord, and so on. And it forms the acrostic sarkor. Again, you're supposed to sing this one the first night, second night, third night, fourth night, fifth night, sixth night. The last night we sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And what's cool about whoever wrote this song, some monk in the 6th century, the way he designed it is so that it forms the acrostic sarkor, but backwards it's the Latin phrase arrow cross, which means tomorrow I come. So the picture is the church, okay, and this is very, you know, medieval and, and sixth century mass. The church is singing every night, come Jesus, come Jesus, come Jesus. And then the last night, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And then after the song is fulfilled, it's as if God is speaking and says, tomorrow I come. It's just really neat how they thought through how they wrote it. But that's what we celebrate, that tomorrow He comes. He comes. And, and think about again, as we close and these guys are going to come up, and our, our response to all these verses is rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you, Israel. He came the first time because he loved us. He comes the second time because he loves us and he wants to be with us forever and ever. And he is a good dad. As a father, tomorrow we're going to open presents and hopefully everyone will be pleased with the things that they receive. And it delights me and my wife both when we get to get the things that our children desire. And I'm broken and a, and a cheapskate dad. All right? And you're going to ask my family, and they'll tell you. I'm like, oh, we're over budget. Take the Christmas gift back, right? That's, that's me in, my, in giving good gifts to his children. And how much more does he want us to love him for giving so much to us? That's the heart of God. It's the heart of the God who gives hope and peace and joy and love, right? And so we respond with rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. So why don't you guys stand and we'll sing that song and a couple others and we'll light some candles together. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your son and the simple truth that he loves us. He came, it is a night that we celebrate the good gifts of love. And so I just pray as we respond through singing, but also as we respond to just going and marry, as we looked at last week, that we would be people of love. It's in Christ's name I pray.